This is Friend and Foe, a podcast that exists to give voice to the real conflict and distress people are feeling about the ways that the current political divide in the U.S. is affecting personal relationships. This is my chat with Chris, who tells his side of the story of his friendship with Sean and the ways they are trying to maintain a friendship despite political differences. I first spoke to Sean in the summer of 2020. You know, just to, just to focus on just this sort of ideological perspective, I have often felt like I have a very broad set of friends. Now, obviously, I'm a, you know, born and raised California progressive who um, I just always felt like I was a good hearted progressive person. Uh, but I've always liked to have a broad amount of, you know, friends of different perspectives. And the, the, when, when um, Diane mentioned the project to me, the first friend that came to mind is um, a friend that I was working at a computer company with in the late 90s. Um, he and I were sort of in a writing group together, and politics didn't show up a ton in our conversations, although I knew he was conservative just like a different kind of lower stakes time. This is, um, it, it, it started to get warm between us, <laughs> our conversations with um, uh, George W. Bush um, versus Al Gore in um, 2000. And um, th- th- that's when our conversations, you know, started to get pretty heated. And, um, and then of course, uh, it, it it's just been nothing but worse since then. It's it's bizarre how two people who have shared interests can see the same thing from completely different perspectives or, or just to be so locked up in terms of like, I actually try to keep people when I'm in conversations away from those polarizing terms like left and right or even liberal conservative. So we, we do have an interesting story because we managed, we went into, I think, full schism for about 24 months after the election of Trump. I just was live Trump, you know, the whole Trump thing has made me crazy. And I can't remember who pushed forward an olive branch first, but um, <laughs> we, we did manage to heal a risk like that is a friend of mine right now, although he is not a Facebook friend of mine where I express political views, but uh, we have shared a lot of news about our kids and our careers. So one of the purposes of your um, of your project here is to, you know, how do people bridge these gaps? Well, clearly, at some point, we have to give up on being able to persuade the other person to our side. And the thing is, is, at some point, I had to make the decision that I value his friendship, you know, more than I value my ideological perspective, because we're just people. At the end of the day, we're just two people who have had a lot of laughs together. And um, so... So we sort of, you know, sort of agreed to um, to stay off the hot button stuff. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be at war with a friend. So that's bad. And then today my wife told me to mention this to you. My most conservative brother-in-law, <laughs> who I've never been friends with on Facebook ever, friended me today. Like just out of the blue. 
So, so I'm, you know, I'm not looking forward to it, <laughs> but, but it's that sort of familial obligation. Like, you know, how fast do you click accept on this friend request? Like clearly it's a big deal. So I, I, and I don't, I have no idea where it's coming from, but, um, it's just funny how social media is also complicated, how, you know, how we navigate political perspectives and our friends and relations, you know. And um, I can't be proud of what I'm about to say, but um, obviously Sean and I do talk and we have taken politics off of the uh, plate. Um, that having been said, I, I too want to know what's in the hearts of Trump supporters um, and these sorts of things. But sadly, I probably go about seeing it in a wrong way with just with social media. Um, the nearby town is Albany and it's almost entirely uh, conservative. And every so often I will go over to their city um, group on Facebook and toss in a, a meme. And, um, and the meme might be a quote from a scientist <laughs> something really intelligent and then um i can't even remember them right now but um and then the bottom one will be a picture of uh, i think it's literally like a, a photo of the um the cruise festivals in their trucks with all their flags and their trump stuff anyway it, it, it tends to generate a lot of uh comments these these things because they'll hear science about whatever it is and then they'll still go continue, you know, supporting Trump and, and, and doing all this. But the, the reason that I mentioned this is because in that thread, there was a conservative woman who chimed in and she said, you know, this poor guy is getting his information only from NPR and CNN. And he truly doesn't have the ability to understand us. And I thought that sounds like what a progressive person would say about them. And they're saying it about me. I'm the poor idiot (laughs) whose media is so uh, filtered that, um, that I, I need their compassion. She literally was uh, exhorting them not to be, vitriolic toward me, but to be compassionate towards me. And uh, because of my ignorance, you know, he knows not what he does kind of thing. And um, I found that wonderful. I found that kind of beautiful, really. Um, And I, and I also was, uh, it made me see into her I don't know that she's particularly motivated by racism. I don't know. I don't know what motivates her conservatism or her support for Trump, but I really truly don't. But she does seem like a nice person. People are literally almost addictive to, to gay, you know, to, to the echo chamber. They're absolutely addicted to their own echo chamber. And, um, you know, that's got to be part of, like, why we can't reach across, because I'm sorry, we're too busy being addicted to our own opinion. That's so true. Sean and I, you know, sort of mutually decided to preserve our friendship in that sort of that same spirit that, you know, life is so hard. It's almost like we just agreed, like, you know what, we're fighting 
to have good careers, to raise good children, to keep our family safe and secure. It's like, like we do have that common enemy and that common enemy is just the vicissitudes of life um, that we just decided to, to support one another around those kind of common um, challenges rather than exacerbating them for one another. And by the way, should you speak with him? I, I was, I really went crazy with him. I did. <laughs> it's like, I, I, you know, like if, if he supported somebody that was a pea grabber, then he was a pea grabber. And I was, I was, <laughs> I was terrible. My logic went right out the window. He had every reason to never speak to me again. Um, it, now I'm remembering it was probably me with the olive branch. I can't remember. But yeah, I just, I saw myself. It makes me crazy. It really does. This whole, you know, that whole thing. Funny. He is cool though. That's the thing. You can tell that I genuinely like that guy. And yeah. yet he is conservative. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thanks so much for, for chatting and uh, all the best with your project. In the spring of 2021, I had the opportunity to reconnect with Chris, primarily to discuss the status of his friendship with Sean, and I found myself sharing with Chris the challenges I had encountered while working on this project, as well as some of the criticisms I had received thus far. Despite our conversation lasting for an hour, two key aspects stood out to us both. Firstly, we agreed that the political divide had actually worsened since our initial conversation in the summer of 2020. The growing divide was apparent and it troubled us both. Additionally, we recognized how progressive individuals were often subjected to intense scrutiny and policing by their fellow progressives. Chris shared a similar experience, reinforcing this observation. So just to, to you know, in terms of maybe if you could capture this, this interaction that I just had where I was talking about dehumanizing language in a sort of a leftist uh, forum, and these are people on my side. It was so amazing to be othered so fast. Like mm. I was, I was a member of this group, and suddenly, because I said, "Hey, maybe we we don't need to look at those people as uh, they," she was using the phrase um, "human trash" or "garbage humans," uh, "trash humans," you know, like uh, such. And I, I hope. Anyway, I would hope that somehow, I don't know, I think it was so, there's something so addictive about uh, dehumanizing the people in the other camp, especially for people mm -hmm. on my side, which is, which is the left. And yet when I see us, you know, my side doing it, I hate that because it makes us exactly the same as the right but you were called out just for asking people not to refer to other people as. I I so was, I, and, and I want to be fearless about my behavior in that sub and that group in that, in that group. Uh, and I'm still a member like, you know, the, I mean, but I can't tell you, like it really felt to me and I, I need to learn more about the French revolution. Cause to be honest, that moment was like, 
this is when the people take over and the guillotines start chopping off heads. And my my head would have been chopped off. It doesn't help anybody to use this kind of dehumanizing language against people. And I don't even know how people on my, that's, I guess, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, I'm in a safe group of people who have shared political beliefs. And I say one thing about being empathetic or at least not dehumanizing the other side. And I'm immediately othered completely. Like, I don't know how other people are feeling, but this is so weird, Jennifer, because it's my side that I feel like the, the flashlight needs to shine on. And we're, we're so quick to, um, it's sick. There's no tolerance for ambiguity. I re-listened to and edited this second conversation with Chris just recently in May of 2023. Revisiting our conversation from the spring of 2021 made me feel reflective of this project in general. Here we are three years later, and I think the political divide is still real and is still affecting our relationships and, and will most certainly be reinvigorated as we enter the 2024 presidential election campaigns. I had just recently had a text exchange with Chris who let me know that he and Sean currently are not communicating. I'm thankful to both of them for sharing their stories with me and also thankful to both of them for encouraging me to continue with this project. 